The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. It's my generation, and it also is your generation. It's something we all need to be cognizant of is that we pass this gospel down to the people that are under us, right, in age group. And uh, so we're going to relaunch that, uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about that more in the days to come, planning some meetings. But I want to talk about that this morning, and I want to begin with this. If you would turn in the book of, to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, and uh, let me just say this as you're going there. And somebody came up to me after the service, said, Pastor Ken, you know, you announced your scripture. And I see people coming to church with real Bibles and they're turning to the scripture. So if that's you, that's great. If you don't have a real Bible, I encourage you to look at it on your uh, Bible app, on your phone or whatever. Uh, but, but you need to get the word in your eyes, right? That's a big deal. But uh, uh, anyway, I want to preface what I'm going to read here about this statement. God loves you more than you will ever know. And I'm talking to every person in here. You will never comprehend totally how much Jesus loves you. And not only does he love you, but you got to understand this. Before you existed on the earth, you were a spirit up in heaven created by God. And he sent you to the earth for a particular time. You came from eternity where God lives. There's no time with God. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. And it's like, I don't know how that works. And neither do you. But we come into this thing called time. And this scripture, let me read it, says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, here's what he's saying. Let me explain this to you. It's like you got this giant timeline. It's long. It began with the creation of the heavens and the earth. And then Adam came. And then Eve came. And the Bible began with a marriage. And the family is a foundation of everything, right? A man and a woman being married. And the devil hates that. That's why he's trying to destroy it, right? But, but yet, this is God's plan and God's way. And then we go down through human history for about 6,000 years. It's a long timeline. And in that timeline, people came for their like blip on the screen, for like your years that you're here. And God saw fit to put me and you here for this particular time. And uh, we can't understand everything God's done, but we're here for a very special time. And your time on earth is likened unto a race. We're running a race. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I'm going to come back to that later, but remember that. A great cloud of witnesses surrounds us. It says, Let us lay aside every weight... And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we're running a race. And here's the thing. There are things that try to keep us back from running our race well and, and, and progressing in our race. And they're called, uh, they're called sins. That means you missed the mark. That means you blew it and you messed up. That's a sin. But then there's this thing, things called weights. Not necessarily sins, but they just kind of take your focus away from what God really has for you. 
You know, that'd be like every night you go home after work and you for five hours binge on your favorite TV series. It's okay to watch TV. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that. I watch TV. But to watch it five hours every night is probably not the best thing, right? You got a family and other people and it's more than about, <laughs> that's like a weight, okay? But these things try to take away from us running this race. So we're in a race from the time you're born to the time you, you check out of the earth. And it's not a sprint, it's an endurance race. You know, it's not a 100-yard dash. With that, you know, that's quick. That happens really quick. And you run with all you got for this short period of time. No, 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 this is not that kind of race. This is an endurance race. It lasts your whole lifetime. It says we're to run with patience. You don't need patience for the 100-yard dash. You need patience for this long race that we're here to run. And there are obstacles on the race. You know, things happen to you. Uh, you can get blisters which means sometimes things rub you the wrong way. People can rub you the wrong way, right? <laughs> uh, you can pull a hammy, and that will, that will hinder you for a while. One time we were at a, uh, Trudy and I travel a lot uh, preaching. We've done that for the last 20 years all over the world, all over the country. Uh, we were in New England. We were doing a Labor Day uh, picnic. We preached in the church on Sunday. The next day is Labor Day. So we hung out with this uh, pastor couple that are still great friends of ours. We go there to New England every year, preach for them. But uh, they were going to have a church picnic on Labor Day. So they're going to play softball. So I'm, you know, I haven't played softball in a while, but I'm going to play softball. Because you can tell I can play softball, man, right? <laughs> so I get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the first guy to bat. And I'm the visitor there. And so I'm getting ready and I'm going to bat and I'm, gonna, uh, I'm getting ready to hit this ball and really impress these guys in this church. So I get up and, and I hit the ball on the first pitch. And man, you know, everything's going well, but I took off to run. And I took one step and I pulled a hammy. And it ruined the rest of my Labor Day picnic. Because sometimes, sometimes things come, right? And also there's a price to pay when you're running this race. If you're going to run well, you got to pay a price. you got to get after it. You don't get a participation trophy just for showing up in this race. No, there's rewards for this thing. Uh, you know, our pastor, Pastor Josh and Sarah, by the way, they'll be back next week. Won't that be great? We love our pastor. Give them a hand. They're probably watching this right now. Love you guys. Great pastors. I know I'm dad, but I'm, it's the truth. I'm doing such a good job. But you know what? I've, I knew them long before you. I knew them in the beginning. I remember... When Josh was called to preach, called a pastor, we talked about it. And he said, Dad, I'm called a pastor. And he began a journey. He began another part of his race, which is getting ready. And he did other things. And they had disappointments. And they had hits along the way. But you know what they've kept on doing? And they do it today. They came into Oklahoma City and planted this church from nothing. With no guarantees, anybody would show up. Look around the building. This is third service. It is full. The blessing of God's on them. But you know why they made it? Because they have some fight in their britches. And they do not quit. You can't quit if you're going to fulfill what God's called you to do. And God wants you to run to win. It's like that famous theologian, uh, Nacho Libre, said. <laughs> I want to win. <laughs> God put that in you. We're winners in our heart. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. We're in a race. This is Paul toward the end of his race. There's different times, different places, different portions of the race. Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a great man. And now the prize awaits me. Because you get a prize for doing this right. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. There's going to be an award ceremony. And Paul's going to be a part of it. But look at the rest of this. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Man, we, were, we got into that flow of worship this morning. I turned to Trudy. And I said, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back, folks. Maybe we're in the last portion of the race. But this race is an endurance race, but it's also a relay race. There's a handoff. There's a time that you take the baton as a runner in a relay race, right? But then there's a time that you pass the baton off. And this race is to be run by all three generations of people, which means everybody in the room this morning, in this room, but also in the rooms over there with all the kids, everybody is in the race. I'll prove that to you. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Because there are basically three generations involved in this handoff. Acts 2, 17. And this is on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. And uh, you remember the story how Jesus rose from the dead and for 30 days he appeared to his disciples. And then the day came for him to leave. And he said, now here's what I want you to do. Go wait for the promise of the Father, which I've talked about. You've heard this from me. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, we're not just running this race in our own strength. We have been empowered. In fact, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to run this race. And that's what happened that day. The Holy Spirit came into the earth that day. On the day of Pentecost, while they were praying, 120 disciples. And people were confused about what was going on. Because he came in and there was a, there was a, a fire. Uh, I don't know what that looked like. The glory of God maybe. I don't know, a light. But they saw something. And then they, th there was a wind that blew through. When Adam sinned, you know, the Bible said that God breathed into Adam the breath of life. But then when Adam sinned, now he didn't lose the breath to, to exist on the earth. He was still breathing. But I think what he lost was the breath of God, which is the life of God, left him. The Holy Spirit left Adam. And now the Holy Spirit cannot come back into people like he, he, he could at that time because now we're all born unregenerate. We're dead. But the Holy Spirit came back that day to bring life to them. The breath of God came back. Hallelujah. And so they began to speak, many of them, in these languages, in different languages. Some of them were tongues of, that people understood, but some of them, I believe, in fact, Paul talked about we talk in the tongues of men and angels. So maybe they were angelic tongues, but there was confusion. What's going on? Why all these languages? This, is can't, this can't be right. And so Peter, anointed by the Holy Spirit, got up to, to give an uh, explanation of what had just happened. And he took his text from the book of Joel over in the Old Testament. And here's part of it, Acts 2.17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. This is talking about every age group in life that was called to be under this anointing of the Holy Spirit. God wants this faith we have experienced to be passed down to the next generation. Here's the way it works. Back to our race analogy. It's a relay race. 
You got uh, uh, young people. You got sons and daughters. This is, I believe this is the children. And they're in training for the race. They're maybe not, they don't have the baton yet, but there's a period of training when they're young. And that's not, listen, our children's ministry back there, that's not just babysitting. You understand that? That's not just child care. That's a part of it. And we do take care of these kids. And we do have security. That's why we have uh, cops like Scott back at the back that, that's checking out to see if anything weird's coming into our children's ministry because we do protect them. But let me tell you something. We teach those kids the Word of God. From the time they're little babies, when they can't even understand much, we begin to tell them who Jesus is. And we make a big deal about teaching kids the Word of God on their level. They're in a training stage. They're sons and daughters. Then it says, young men. Young men, they're like the ones running with the baton now. They take the handoff. But they take the handoff from the old men. There comes a time when the old men are handing off to the next generation. So let's talk about these three age groups. Number one, sons and daughters will prophesy. That's our children. Let me talk to you parents for just a minute. The greatest disciple you you will ever have in your life, God's designed it this way. We're talking about the handoff, is your kids. You are called by God to disciple your own children. That's not just New Song Church's job or the church's job. Now, we want to help you. We can't do that for you. You're a parent And your job as a parent, you know, it's amazing how God gives you these babies. You get a little baby. It's impossible not to love a baby. They're just so cute and sweet and helpless. And Trudy and I are kind of back to in in a baby stage right now. Because we just got, uh, a couple of months ago, we got a French bulldog puppy. And it's, you know, and you just, they're so cute. And, and babies are cuter than puppies, but you know, and, and so we're back to the dealing with poop stage, and we haven't done that in a long time. Uh, but, but, but you know, it's, it's impossible not to love a baby. What if God just gave you a teenager? Wouldn't that be weird? You're going to have a baby, and the baby comes, and the doctor comes out, uh, Mr. Blunt, your son's been born. Yeah? Yeah, he's 16. His name is Jerry. Come in, we'll introduce you. And you go, wouldn't that be uncomfortable? Hey, Dad, how you doing? You know, his voice is, hey, Dad, voice is breaking already. Got zits on his face. Well, I don't know if I like him or not. No. No, God gives you, he gives you a baby. It's impossible not to love them. But we are to put the things of God in our kids. That's the job of parents. Amen. Do you know we take it seriously here at New Song? Did you know in May we taught, we were teaching all our classes about the Holy Spirit? And at the end of the month, we prayed with children to be filled with the Holy Spirit to receive their prayer language. And 50 little kids one Sunday got filled with the Spirit. You need to clap your hands and get excited. It's awesome, isn't it? Kids have a place. It says young men will see visions. We need the young men. The Bible talks about over in 1 John how that the young men are strong. They have a strength. Young men and women, too. I'm not just dissing the women. You know, you're part of this, too. But young people have the strength. I got to tell you, at my age, I don't have all the strength I used to have. I do pretty good, but, you know. But still, I, I, my endurance is not like it was. I mow the yard now, and I get tired. I still mow the yard, but I get tired. But we, we need young people with vision, and we want to facilitate that at Church on the Move. Pastor Josh is dedicated to developing new young, uh, you know, we had the young communicators back in May, Sunday. And we knew something. What did I say? 
Did I say church on the move? Wow. I used to be there. Uh, <laughs> wow, things come back, don't they? Uh, honey, if I do anything else, correct me, okay? But uh, uh, we, we had the Young Communicators Sunday. Why were we wanting to develop these young guys and give them a chance? So young men see visions, but then old men dream dreams. Let's talk about that for a minute. If you're old, just because you're old doesn't mean you're still not dreaming. You're not done. No, don't, nobody st- stamps you, well, this one's done, can't do anything anymore. They're old, just shut up and sit over in the corner. No! That's not what we're supposed to do. We're still supposed to dream dreams. And I just have an observation. I believe older people are cooler today than they used to be when I was growing up. (laughs) You know, I just go back to when I was a kid, we would have these big family gatherings with my mom, especially my mom's side of the family. And and her, her side of the family had a lot of big personality people. And we lived out in the panhandle of Texas, and a lot of these people lived in East Texas. And they would come, in the summertime, they would come out, and we'd have a big family, you know, time. Everybody hangs out together. And there were some characters in my mom's family. Uh, uh, yeah, my mom's family. But I just remember uh, one particular uh, person, called, her name was Aunt Bess. And Aunt Bess was a wonderful lady. But this was just kind of the way things were back then. Aunt Bess, it's like she tried to look old. She may, I, I don't know, maybe she was 70 or so, but Aunt Bess had a granny hairdo with a, but she wore granny glasses. She wore a granny dress, print dress with, you know, big. And then she wore, I don't know what you call those, but they were like, they looked like military boots. Hi. I know I, I don't see them anymore. I don't know that they make them. But, and that was Aunt Bess. And then she's just like, I'm trying to look as old as I can. No makeup. And then Aunt Bess, this, I watched this too. She would have a green bean can all the time. We'd be sitting around talking. And, and you'd look at her teeth, and she had brown stuff on her teeth. And what she was doing was dipping snuff. And she'd, she'd talk a little bit, and, and spit in that can. Man, I'm a little kid thinking, I don't want to see what's in that can. Ugh. God rest her soul. She's in heaven today. Aunt Bess, don't get mad at me. I'm just... But I think, we're, I think older people are cooler today. Let me give you some stats about that. You know, older people are healthier today. We live longer. Uh, more street smart than ever. More traveled. I never rode on an airplane until I was 30 years old for the first time I took a flight. But then I got into ministry. When I was 32, I went into full-time ministry. And part of my job was to travel, and I've traveled off and on for all those years. And I have over 4 million miles on American Airlines alone. So I've been around, right? Uh, and I think that's true for the population. It's not that big a deal to fly anymore. Uh, this generation is more, older people are, are more computer smart, but more techn- technologically, you know, savvy. Uh, I'm preaching from an iPad this morning because I am cool. <laughs> Today's older people, they drink lattes. I had one this morning. Um, And I love this one. They're more sexually active than previous generations. Just between me and her. Okay. So, but, but understand as an older person, and this is the way life works, you have to respect the different chapters Let's call them stages of the race. You know, there's different stages. You run different speeds. And I think as you get older, your speed has to change. 
And I, I think about some of the changes I've experienced. When I was a young guy, the thing I first got involved in in ministry was, uh, uh, it was kids' ministry. And in kids' ministry, you know, you have to do that differently. I wore a cowboy suit. I was on the Gospel Bill show back in the 80s. Anybody remember that? A couple of us. And, uh, you know, and, and I did music for the show, and I acted on the show. And, you know, it's something different. A lot of people didn't do that. And then sometimes I would crawl into a dog costume. And we had a dog called Barkimaeus that we would travel with. So I had my Old West costume on. I was a young man. And I would go behind the station, put on a dog costume, and come out and give my testimony. Barkimaeus was his name. Barkimaeus. Big dog. And I come out, and, and it was a lot of work. And hot in a dog costume. But I give a testimony. Let me, can I give you a little Barkimaeus this morning? Like Barkimaeus was asleep one night in his doghouse, and he woke up one morning, and all of a sudden he felt like he was itching on his leg, and then itching on this leg, and, and so he decided to go to the doctor. So Barkimaeus goes to the doctor, and Gospel Bill would interpret this, and Barkimaeus spoke in German Shepherd, so it had to be interpreted. So Barkimaeus says he went to the doctor. The doctor examined him. He said, Barkimaeus, I got some bad news for you. He said, Barkimaeus, you have the mange. The mange is bad if you're a dog. Well, what'd you do, Barkimaeus? You got really scared at first. Then you remembered a scripture. First Peter 2.24. Oh, that's a, that's a scripture about Jesus and what he did. It says, with his stripes you were healed. That means that healing is mine because of Jesus. So what'd you do? You prayed? Said, thank you, Lord, for this promise in your word. I believe I received my healing right now. Wow. So were you instantly healed, Barkamas? No? It was still itching. And hair was falling out. And itching over it. Hair was falling out. Well, how long did that last? One day. Three days. Five days. Day number six. You woke up in the morning. You noticed something? You didn't itch anymore? And there was little bitty hairs going back. You looked over here. You didn't itch anymore. And there was little bitty hairs going back. Jesus healed you. Praise the Lord. Let's all clap our hands, boys and girls. So, I used to do that. I, I don't do that anymore. I did that when I was young. But then it came time to change. And then I led worship for a long time in a great church, Church on the Move, <laughs> where I was in Tulsa. And we had a great run. Church was uh, launched. I was part of that. And then the church grew. And then the Lord spoke to Trudy and I again and said, take what you've learned and begin to travel and go into churches because I need people, people need to learn, need to be grounded in, uh, in, in the word of God on marriage and raising kids. So we've done that for 19 years. We're in year number 20. And there's another change coming. I'm gonna be around here more. Because see the baton I got in my hand? I'm starting to hand it off. But that's the way it works. It's very critical to get the handoff right. Think about it. The, the older generation is running 
And, w- and whenever, whenever you do a handoff, like a four by 100 meter uh, race, you, you do a baton handoff. And they practice that handoff over and over because you have a 20-meter window to get the hand in the baton of the runner that's taking it from the, the hand of the runner that's running. And you have to do it quickly. And you have to do it seamlessly if you can. And that handoff is very, very important. And think about it. The runner running is the one that can see. The new runner can't see. He's taking this. He doesn't see everything the older guy sees. That's the way this works. But the young guy needs the older guy to pass the baton properly because if he doesn't, the race is going to be marred. The handoff is critical. And older men, we're handing off. We have to do it right. Listen, you don't stop. There comes a time you hand the baton off and then you slowly quit running. And then what happens? You go to heaven. But if you're not in heaven today, you're not done. You're still running somewhere in this race. Praise God. And if you're older, you have to understand this. You have experience, both good and bad, that can be passed down to the next generation. We live in such a fatherless time in our time. Wow, Trudy and I do marriage counseling in the church, premarital counseling. It's amazing what people, where they are, because so many of them didn't have a dad, or they didn't have a mom. They come from a broken home. Their grandma raised them. They've, they've gone through things. This, we're living in the most disjointed times in the history of mankind. The devil's tried to destroy the family. But see, I believe this. Look, let's look at Malachi chapter 4. I believe God wants fathers to be raised up during this time. Older men that have some wisdom that can help the younger guys. Doesn't mean you did it all just right. In fact, here's what I've learned about life. I learned sometimes more from the mistakes I made than, than when I did it right. But it's critical that we hand off properly. Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. Everybody okay with this? You know, feel good. You're okay to say amen, Pastor Ken. You know, amen. Amen. You can say old school. You say, amen. You're a girl. Amen. Uh, you're handsome, Pastor Ken. You look good. No, don't say that. That's dumb. Um, but, but, but let me read this to you. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. There's a curse trying to come against humankind like never before. There's a blackness trying to come into the world right now in America, but not only here, it's across the world. I believe the enemy is making his last ditch push to take as many to hell as he possibly can. And if he can't do that, to at least destroy people's lives. And it's serious. It's serious business. But this scripture, you know, this is interesting. This is the last two verses in the last chapter in the Old Testament. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. After this was prophesied, this is God talking, there were 400 years where God didn't say anything until John the Baptist came on the scene and began to herald that Jesus, the Messiah, the great one who's going to bear the curse of sin for mankind is coming. But, but this is talking about, he said, this is in the spirit of Elijah the prophet. That's how, that's how John came. In the spirit of Elijah saying, he's coming, he's coming. I'm telling you this morning, he's coming. He's coming back. 
But notice, it says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I think that's talking about the two comings of Jesus. The first time he came was great. Because he came as the Lamb of God. Full of grace and mercy. Never putting anybody down. Never came to love people and then to die on the cross to pay a price you and I could not pay and the precious blood of almighty God was shed on this earth to redeem us back from the fall we all participated in that's what Jesus came to do he died and he rose from the dead and he he lives today and that's great news but the Jews many of his disciples said Lord when are you going to take over the government because many of them thought that's what Messiah would do But he didn't come the first time to do that. The next time he comes, though, it's going to be dreadful. When he comes back, he won't be like he was the first time. He won't be meek and mild. He's going to come back, the Bible says, in Revelation 19. And he's going to be riding a white stallion. Because Jesus had a little bit of cowboy in him. He's going to come with eyes blazing with fire, a robe dipped in blood, a sword, and he's going to make war. And he's going to come to set everything right, and he will take over the government. And the government will be right for the first time in the history of mankind because God will be running it. Go ahead, clap your hands. That's good news. And here's a really, really cool thing about that. The Bible says that his saints are going to be coming with him. That's people in heaven right now, and you know, maybe we'll be there. I'm, yeah, if we're the rapture of the church happens, and we'll come back, but we're going to be riding white horses too, because there's a little bit of cowboy in you too. Amen. But he's coming back. And, but here's what I want to emphasize. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. It begins with the fathers. When the older people will turn their hearts to the kids, to the young people, to the young leaders, then they'll turn their hearts to you. And we'll have a connection. And the church will be what they're supposed to be. You may think as an old person, sometimes, well, these young guys don't want to listen to me. I don't believe that's true. I believe they're looking for fathers. And true fathers reach into the next generation to love and pass off the baton of the faith that they have learned. So I think there's three practical things. You say, well, how do we do that, Pastor Ken? Okay, write this down. Number one, if we're going to pass that baton properly, we need to flow with the changing methods of the time. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Doctrine never changes. Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood for the sin of mankind, it's one of the basic doctrines of the church. That is the basic doctrine. And you can be saved if you believe that. That's never going to change. The the doctrine of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that will never change. The doctrine of healing. Jesus came, one of the things he did was heal the sick, and he paid for, Barcamaeus taught you this morning, he paid for the sickness and disease that tries to come against us. So these are basic doctrines, but the styles change, like the music style changes. Back when I was a kid, here was the music style of that day. They, in my church I grew up in, we had a piano, and we had an organ, and that was it. Trudy grew up in a church that had no instruments. It was like a cappella, which means no instruments, which means they would get up and just begin to sing and hopefully somebody's on pitch, right? <laughs> but that's, that was supposed to be like the religious music of the, uh, of the time. Well, my generation came in and began to change that. And we brought in some different instruments. We brought in guitars. Wow. And then we brought in even drums. I used to be a drummer and I led worship from the drums. You believe that? 
I remember one time I heard a message. I was at a church because things were changing. And a guy got up and preached the whole message on how drums are of the devil. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't think that's right. <laughs> it's not. The devil didn't invent drums. God created everything. The devil just perverts some things that God created. No, no, but and we got and you know the music, we changed the music of our time. And I got some flack over it as a leader. You guys are just too rock and roll, you're too loud, and okay, well, yeah, and we had to deal with that. But it's still changing. It's still it's changing, it's gonna change again. Skinny jeans are going to go away. <laughs> Listen, things just keep on changing. <laughs> but, but so we have to understand, we have to learn how to discern between doctrine and how just styles are going to change. Praise God. Man, I'll tell you what, that second song Maddie sang this morning, when they did that little stop thing, it, man, it thrilled my soul. <laughs> Glory to God. That was good. Anyway, I had to say that. Uh, so we have to understand that. Number two, we need to be encouraging and positive to young people. Yeah, just, you can't just walk up and say, you, you're all wrong about this. And Dummy, don't you know this? No, they don't. They don't know everything. You should know more. You're older. But the way they're going to listen to you is, first of all, you care about them. You're not correcting them. You, 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 we want to love them. You know how Jesus operated? He never just walked up and corrected people. And, and put them down? No. He would go like the woman. Remember the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4? Jesus goes in to Samaria, which was like enemy territory at that time. And he goes to find this lady that's hurting, and she's at a well dipping water. And Jesus didn't come and say, lady, you, you are messed up. And, but she was. You read on and you find out that she's been married five times, and she's living with a guy. And that will tend to mess you up a little bit going through that. But Jesus didn't come to put her down. He came to redeem her. He said, you know what? If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water. You'd never get thirsty again. That's the heart of Jesus. He's accepting. We, look, we need to look for a, an opportunity to invest in young people. See, people don't care about how much you know until they, have, they know how much you care about them. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Never fails. And then number three, we need to learn to listen to young people. You know, I, part of my job, in fact, Pastor Josh told me, he said, Dad, I want you to hang out with my leaders. He said, you know, just go out to eat with them, hang out with them. He said, but he told me this. He said, if I can get you on them, we'll be successful. And what he means, if, if, they can, if I can share some of my experience with them. So I, I hang out with young people all the time, but here's what I do. I listen to them. And I'll tell them, like, we'll go have coffee or we'll go have breakfast together. I'll say, I want you to think of two or three questions you want to ask me about. Things you think that maybe I could help you with. And then I listen. And then I'll talk a little bit and then I'll listen. And I listen to their opinion. It's important to listen. James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. You know, so much of the time, I've caught myself doing this. You're talking to somebody and they're talking and you're kind of, you zone out. Or you listen for a minute and then you're thinking in your mind, uh, okay, go ahead. I want you to, would you please shut up because I've got something real good to tell you. And you kind of not, are not listening. That's not listening. Surveys say people listen for 15 seconds then they check out. Learn to listen. Be quick to listen, James 1.19. Slow to speak and slow to anger. Amen. And then in conclusion, I want you to think about this. The last runner in a relay race is usually the fastest and the best. 
Could it be that we're in at the end of time? And could it be that we are the ones Jesus wanted here? Said he chose us for a time. Because he sees us as the anchor guy. The best and the brightest. I like to think of it that way. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. I told you we were going to come back there. You know, I was talking about the great cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses are listed in Hebrews 11. I encourage you to read that later. Hebrews 11 is the great faith chapter. It tells us all about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By this, by faith, the elders obtained a good report, it talks about. And then it lists a lot of the elders in Hebrews 11. It's like the hall of fame of faith. And I'll, I'll name a few of these. I won't name them all. But it talks about how Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. It talks about how Enoch walked with God. I love the story of Enoch. You don't read much about him. But this, this nearly sends chills up my spine every time I read it. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. <gasps> I mean, Enoch's just walking with God. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's in heaven one day. Be okay if that happened, wouldn't it? Noah built an ark to save his family. Man, that's a picture of family right there. Save his family in really hard times. You can preserve your family. Uh, Abraham had a son at 100 years old. And then it lists ladies too. Sarah had a baby at 90. You know, Trudy and I, we're not that old, but we don't even want that to happen. <laughs> right, babe? But that was a plan of God. Rahab was a harlot, but she's listed in the hall of fame of faith. Heroes and many, many more. And I'm going to read this to you. Hebrews 11:37. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, God says. Wow. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God promised. For God had something better in mind for us. Oh, wow. So that they would not reach perfection without us. But we're all connected. This morning as I'm preaching this, somehow they're watching. My dad's in that grandstand. My grandpa, who was a song leader in the Baptist church, he's in the grandstand. My grandma, they've gone ahead of us. But they're there watching. And they're the great grandstand in heaven. Let me read Hebrews 12 one again. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Doesn't that give you comfort somehow? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So how do you do that? Next verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author, he began that timeline and the finisher of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God we're running this race you know Trudy w was meditating a few years ago and when Trudy when God deals with her it's really cool what she does he does, doesn't do this with me I don't even know how this works but she'll see pictures she, said, she has visions and it's not like that, you know, she 
passes out but she she'll just imagine in her imagination she'll see these things and she said I was thinking about the scriptures that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me which strengthens me is actually what it says I don't have time to preach on that but it doesn't say who it says which but she said I was thinking about that and she said all of a sudden I saw this great big stadium the stadium was packed from the top to the bottom and I looked down on the floor of the stadium and there was a track that ran around and there was these runners that were getting ready to run. I want my runners to come out right now. And they were preparing, you know, like they'd get in the blocks and they would get down. And then they would, uh, you know, practice their takeoff. And, uh, and, and they were doing that. And all of a sudden, the, the, you know, there's anticipation in the stadium. Pardon my nose. Right there's a great anticipation in the stadium about uh, what's about to happen with this race. But then the attention began to turn to a tunnel where somebody was walking out and as he made his appearance the crowd began a little at a time to cheer and cheer until this, there was this uproarious cheer and Trudy said when I looked at that person I knew he was the champion and she looked closer and it was Jesus and Jesus is walking out of the stadium tunnel and all the runners look and see what's going on and they just kind of look at each other and said forget it we can't this is Jesus man he's we can't run with him. And Jesus walked up to him and said, what are you doing? I said, we can't compete with you. He said, I'm not running this race. This is not, I've already run my race. This is your race. And with that, he began to take gold medals. And he began to put them on each person. Young guy, Courtney, represents the young men. James, you're an old dude like me. But he put a gold medal and they were puzzled. We haven't run yet. What do you mean? What are you doing? And Jesus says, no, here's the way this works. Before you even start, when you know me, I crown you. You have the gold medal on the inside of you. In your spirit, you have what it takes to make it. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. But you have to receive him. I want everybody to close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.